0: This is Joshua Bell with the Kilt on the Cloth. This was my sermon from January 23rd, 2022, entitled Hearing and Responding to God's Word. I hope you enjoy. God bless. My scripture this morning is taken from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, and then it goes to verse 5 through 6, and then to verses 8 through 10. And I'm not... Going to be uh, bashful about this. It's because in verse four and in verse seven, there's a whole bunch of names that are really hard to pronounce. And and in, in all seriousness, the best part about it is is the the scripture in between the scriptures. So uh, hear now these words of God. All the people gathered together in the square before the water gate, and they told the scribe Ezra to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. Accordingly, the priest Ezra brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could hear with understanding. This was on the first day of the seventh month. He read it from facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday. I want you to hear that time frame. From early morning until midday to midday in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand and the ears of all the people who were attentive to the book of law. And Ezra opened the book of the, in sight of all the people for he was standing above all the people and when he opened it, all the people stood up. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God and all the people answered, Amen. Amen. Lifting up their hands, then they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So they read from the book, from the law of God with interpretation. They gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy
1: of the Lord is your strength. May God bless the reading of God's holy scripture. Amen. Now, I want to take you back a couple
0: years. Before the pandemic and things of that nature, we would use to do this thing on Good Friday where we would start at the very other end of town on the west side and we would walk all the way to the city square with the cross on our shoulders. It was not intended to be just the ministers. It was intended to have members of every congregation walking in symbolism of recognizing the death of Jesus, the good day, right? Right? But the thing that we always tend to forget is is that when they got to the city square, uh, churches from all over Perry would start reading the Gospels from the steps of the courthouse and we would read from the Gospel of Matthew all the way till the end of the book of John. And it would take all day. I mean, I want you to think about this. Every church participating in one way or another Reading the Gospels from the beginning of the time they showed up until they got done. It takes about four hours to read it out loud, to give you an idea. Hmm. Now I want you to, to think about how this works. Ezra gets to experience it. These people come to him, and and, and in the midst of it, he starts reading scripture in the early morning and doesn't stop till
1: midday. Hmm. That's a little scary. Especially in church when we think that worship is only an hour long.
0: And that scripture reading should be brief, subtle, and short and straight to the point. There were some congregations that I used to serve that when worship started at 11, if I wasn't done at noon, they would just get up and leave. As a matter of fact, there was one congregation that I served that at 11.50, regardless of where we were in the service, there were certain members of the congregation that would just literally get up and leave church to go reserve their space at the restaurant. Because if you can't get worship done in an hour, then we don't need to worry about it because
1: lunch starts at noon. I mean, I want you to imagine for just a second the idea that when you start
0: to read this scripture as Ezra is reading these books of the law to the whole people, that it was, had to have been at least five to six hours
1: without any questions or comments. But as a worship nerd,
0: we have archaeological proof that there was a style of worship when they read Scripture. Here's your point. You know, you you always ask me, well, where does it say that in the Bible? Well, here's one of those moments where we have, has the group shows how they worship together. For one, they read Scripture. For a very long time. Notice how they react in the scripture. For one, they start off with. There's an emotional context to it. They start to weep. Some, Some would argue that. By the time they got to that point. Their ears were hurting. And so they were crying. From listening to the scripture all day. But others might say that the word of God. Moved them to a place of emotion. And all of a sudden. Crying in this sacred space was okay. Notice that in the passage, they talk about bowing down. Now, I don't know about you, but bowing is, is, is hard enough. But then let alone this idea is, is they literally got on their knees. It'd take four of you guys to pick me up after that moment. And as they're on their knees, praying to God, being in this place, they kept their head low. It's a place of worship, recognizing that they're in a divine place with divine people, and the words they're hearing are changing their lives forever. Gosh, can you imagine that moment? None of this lukewarm wishy-washy understanding of scripture,
1: but to recognize that when the scripture is being read, lives will be changed. Hmm. I think the thing that's weird for us is that we,
0: we have the invention of the, the watch, right? You, you have this invention of the cell phone, that has a clock on it. We're, 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 we're programmed to think time matters to God. We're programmed to think that God only operates in between 10.30 and 11.30 or 8.15 to 9.15. We're, we're programmed to think that God only operates in those places. And yet here you have these people from way before us that Don't have a sense of time, they just needed the word of God. And then they responded from what they heard. You know, in sermons, we have to ask this question always. Every every time that you hear a sermon, or whether you're writing one or speaking one,
1: you have to ask the question, what does this story say about how God relates to us? My question is, is, how does the experience of listening to God's word being read differ from the experience of reading it ourselves? You know, in all the years I've been in ministry, I, I, it's, it's always
0: going to come up in the conversation. Josh, have, have, you, have you read the Bible from beginning to end? And, and my answer is, I think so. I think I I probably have at this point, probably read it from beginning to end at one point or another. Did I start out with Genesis and end with Revelation? No. Mm -mm. As most of you have found, if you start reading the Bible from beginning to end, you get to usually about Leviticus or Deuteronomy, and your brain kind of starts to gloss over. And then you get to Numbers, and as you start to read it, you go, Oh my gosh, look at all these names. It's a census. Now, there's some people that really dig censuses i'm not that guy i start getting to that point i'm like uh, uh you know and i'm done and i remember when i was probably quentin's age i decided i was going to do this i was going to read the bible from beginning to end and my dad said go for it it's okay it's a good idea after about three weeks he asked me how's it going i said i haven't got to it yet You know, we find ourselves asking this question all the time. But when we really look at it, sometimes the scripture needs to be something that we find unexpectedly. You're like, what? What does that mean? Well, when I was working in youth ministry, I remember talking to the youth saying, you know, the best way to read the Bible is you put it on the table and you let it fall open. And you put your finger on the page and you start reading it. If it makes sense, cool. If it doesn't, keep reading.
1: And even when it doesn't make sense, you keep reading. These are not just words on a page
0: about a time forgotten. It's words on a page that gives us the ability to hear and to respond to God's word. And these words on these pages,
1: they have meaning to people for millennia. I want to I paint a picture for you to the audience that
0: Ezra is speaking to. From what we know, there's probably 42,360 people. Now that's a pretty specific number. Guess who kept track of their attendance? So we know that there's at least 42,000 people at that time that were in this place. They were returning exiles who have have just started to settle down in the towns and villages of Judah. And Nehemiah, who is a governor, uh, he's a client governor. the, The powers invested upon him to be in charge of this group of people that worship the same way he did. Assembles this community of returnees and then Ezra who is now lifted up as the chief priest and, interestingly enough, the chief scribe, he ascends
1: the platform and opens the book as the people rise. Imagine that
0: instance. 40,000 people in front of this audience and he stands there with the book and as he opens it, everyone knows
1: to stand up physically to hear the word of God. And of course, a call
0: and response, just like we do every Sunday, follows the reading. And there, similarly to us, there in the city square, they listen, and they listen. And they listen for five or six hours to the word of Scripture. Now, the part we don't know is is they most likely would have been using a translator. Because as they've been out in exile, they've had to learn new languages in order to survive. And now that they find themselves back in Judah, they're having to refresh their ancient Hebrew. And Ezra reads these words and explains the words And in this moment, it produces this somber response. Oh, God, we are not worthy of your love and compassion. And they begin to cry. The scripture is very in-depth here in the sense that it didn't say just a couple of them. It said they all started to weep. 40,000
1: people weeping. But they missed kind of the the moment because then Ezra says,
0: this is far from a day needing to weep. This is a new day, a new place to read and hear and obey God's word. He says the one thing that we don't ever hear ourselves say, go home and have a party. Go home from this place and eat and drink with your family. And Ezra tells the people, for God's joy will make you strong. And the people said, hmm. Somewhere in our culture, we got to this point where we decided that saying amen out loud was something that we should reserve inside of our mind. Somewhere in our history we told ourselves that when we feel this moment of lifting our hands up in joy or just in celebration, that that's well, that's not what we do.
1: (laughs) And here you have this moment. I never thought about it this way, but the law brings joy.
0: We always kind of tend to think that those 613 commandments in Leviticus and Deuteronomy are accusations against us. But the reality of it is, is these are words that were written in the name of God for the people of God
1: and to respond to them. What if,
0: what if we took the opportunity to hear these words of God and to look at them as moments of joy as we go out into the world, just like these people did. Notice that Ezra also doesn't say, you just go home with your families to go banquet and drink and have eat and drink and be merry. He also says to take it to those that have nothing also. Ezra and the Levites stressed that this day was not a day of punishment, the fearsome day of the Lord. Rather, it was a day that was supposed to be holy. Imagine what that would look like for us for Sundays, right? Sunday becomes the day that is holy for us. It's not a place of lukewarm, hour long places of worship, it's an expectance that God will move, shape, and change us by just the mere presence of reading God's scripture.
1: And that our lives would be changed. There's an author that's from
0: 365 uh, CE or AD, John Cassian, so one of our early church fathers, writes, if you want true knowledge of the scriptures, try to secure steadfast humility of heart to carry you by the perfection of love, not to knowledge that puffs up, but one that enlightens,
1: one that changes us forever. So maybe... As we hear and respond to God's word. We recognize that in the
0: midst of all of our pain and suffering. That we have continued to deal with and bear. And try to find good out of the bad. We hear these words. And recognize. As Ezra tells the people. And we hear this for our first time. For God's joy. Will make you strong.